The characteristic mark of hope is that it always looks into the future, so says Herman Zasse in the March issue of The Lutheran Witness, which is all about hope and overcoming the quiet despair with which we are so in danger of being overcome in these days. To find out more about hope, what Christian hope looks like, and what it means to be a hopeful community, pick up your copy of the March issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness or witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. We talk about the saints who have gone before us. We celebrate days in the church's calendar to remember particular saints. We even have All Saints Day to get everybody in there on one celebration. So, what do we need to know about how we ought to remember them, and how is there encouragement in knowing that we worship with those saints, with the church triumphant? I'm Todd Wilkin. Welcome back to Issues Etc. Joining us to talk about that worship with the church triumphant, Pastor Andrew Packer. He's senior pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church here in Collinsville, Illinois, and author of a column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled The Democracy of the Dead. Andrew, welcome. Thanks for having me, Todd. So you start out by discussing a very famous quote from G.K. Chesterton. Who was he and what was his insight on church tradition and the Christians who have gone on to be with Christ? Yeah, uh, Gilbert Keith Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton. It's one of my favorite authors. He writes with joy and wit. He was a Roman Catholic layman. He was a journalist. He wrote hundreds and hundreds of things. I mean, he wrote tons of articles. He wrote books. He was consider it quite a brilliant man, even in his own age. And even in our day, people still read him because he was so smart and one of the most brilliant thinkers, I would say, of the 20th century. But he was hard to miss. He was six foot four, 300 pounds. He often had a cigar in his mouth, this crumpled hat he would wear everywhere on his head, and even had a cape around his shoulders. And he was known even by his enemies as being someone filled with joy. And so no one could really hate him, even those who would argue against him and get into some serious debates with him. So, for example, the playwright George Bernard Shaw, who was no friend of Christianity, no friend of the church, one time came up to GK and patted him on the belly and said, is it a boy or a girl? And Chesterton said, well, if it's a boy, we'll call him John. If it's a girl, we'll call him Mary. But if it's just gas, we'll call him George Bernard Shaw. <laughs> and you couldn't hate the guy. I mean, he was just full of life and joy for life. And he was known for his insights, his witty insights. He'd have these turns of phrases. And one of them is this quote we have on tradition. Tradition means giving a vote to the most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. It is the democracy of the dead. Tradition refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking about. All Democrats object to men being disqualified by the accident of birth. Tradition objects to their being disqualified by the accident of death. Democracy tells us not to neglect a good man's opinion, even if he is our stable hand. Tradition asks us not to neglect a good man's opinion, even if he is our father. You say that on Sunday morning, those we can see in the pews around us are only part of the story. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so this quote by Chesterton is interesting because he's talking about the democracy of the dead and how that relates to tradition. And what I was asked to do with this article is, how do we apply that to 
a congregation that's small and struggling. And so as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about what do we teach when we come to Lord's Supper? We teach that with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, that we are there, heaven and earth united, in this profound, mysterious way when we gather at the communion rail, that we are worshiping with all those who have gone before us. They are there in a way that we can't really comprehend, but is no less true that they are there with us. As some of my professors in seminary were fond of saying that there's no place on earth that you're closer to those who have died and gone before you than at the communion rail, because they are worshiping Christ with you there. And so that is a truth that this democracy of the dead can speak to us and help us to realize that even in a small church, we're not alone. The place is packed because those who have gone before us, angels and archangels are present, worshiping with us, worshiping the same Jesus who has died for us all. What then does scripture teach us to believe about the saints in heaven? Yeah, so one of my favorite passages that I think comes into play here is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I think that passage gives us a beautiful summary. It gives us this picture that the saints are there cheering us on, both as individuals and as a congregation. They're there with us as we run the race, this democracy of the dead, those who have gone before us and died in the faith. The picture is they're filling this great giant stadium and we're running the race and they're there telling us to keep going, to not give up, to make it to the finish line. How does our communion with these saints actually help us to focus on Jesus? Well, the first thing they do, as we see in this passage from Romans or Hebrews 12, is they teach us that we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, that the way to finish the race, the way to keep running in spite of the sins, the snares that may entangle us, in spite of the trials and tribulations of this life, is to keep looking at Jesus, keep our eyes fixed on him, and we know that in him, we're ultimately going to be victorious, that in him, we can finish the race, in him, we'll be brought safely to victory. What do the saints' lives remind us about the trouble of our lives? Yeah, so one of the things I thought about as I was looking at this quote is, saints who have gone before us, whether it's the older members of our current congregations or those who have died and gone before us, they've been there, they've done that. They've seen things. They've seen sometimes awful things. They've been through tough, difficult times. They've been through the loss of loved ones. They've been through the struggles against sin and those battles that we all face. They've been in churches that have been crushed by hypocrisy and sin. They've been in churches that have been blessed greatly by Christ and grown. They've, they've seen all of these different things in their lives. And so one of the things we, we can learn from them is Jesus can see us through that. That no matter how bad things are now, no matter how bad it looks, no matter how much it seems like we're suffering, that we're beat down, that things are not going to turn out okay, that they say, no, 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 in Christ, it'll all be okay. doesn't mean it'll go exactly the way we want it to go, but it does mean that 
they've seen that Jesus is with them even in the suffering, that Jesus will be there for him, that all of his promises will come true, even if we can't see it yet. You say they also give us a, a different perspective. How does it help for Christians to see their lives through the eyes of the saints who have gone before us? Yeah, I think as we, we learn their stories, as we learn what they've been through, as we get to know the history of their history, the history of our own congregations, the history of congregations throughout church history, well, we find that they continue to speak to us and to give us wisdom as we see how they handled the same kind of things we're going through, whether it's a declining church that's struggling, whether it's persecution in its various forms that we're even beginning to experience more and more as a church in America. They can help us to see through a new eyes, through new perspective, how to understand those things. I think it's a lot like C.S. Lewis says you should read five old books for every new book you read so that you don't have these blind spots in how you view the world and how you understand things. You can learn from the past things that maybe you're not thinking about right now. And it's the same thing as we look at through their lens of what they've been through, through their perspective. We can learn to trust Jesus like they did. We can learn how Jesus brought them through those hard times. And we can learn to understand that we are not alone, that there are those who have gone before us, that Christ is with us, that the angels are with us, and that the saints are there cheering us on. What's the danger of ignoring our sainted fellow Christians? To ignore them, to neglect them, to not try to understand what they've been through, where they've come, how they survived, is to reject the wisdom they have to offer us. And I think that's a Maybe in American Christianity in general, we often see this, but it can happen even in our own circles where we neglect the past. And so we don't get to learn from this, these great saints who have gone before us, the wisdom they have, how we see how Christ has been faithful to them. That's one of the things we say why we should remember the saints in general is that we remember them. Why? So we can remember that Christ was faithful to them and he will be faithful to us just as he was to them. You just mentioned C.S. Lewis and the reading of old books. What are some good sources of the saints' faithful testimony? I think probably the best one we have right now available is Celebrating the Saints by Pastor Whedon. It's one of the first books I recommend to people who are interested in this. He goes through our entire counter of saints we have as the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and he has a little write-up on everyone. It's a fantastic resource, and I think every home should have it. Great little devotional to read even with your kids to learn about various saints. I would start there. And another thing I think to do in addition to that, which isn't a book, but, or maybe if your congregation has some kind of history written down about what the church has been through, I think finding those things and teaching those things to your kids is extremely helpful as well. Finally, what promise do we have of our future eternity with those who have died in Christ? I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about Hebrews 12 is we have this immense cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on, this great democracy of the dead, and they're still speaking to us. And they are cheering us on and encouraging us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. And they're directing our eyes to Jesus. And when we look at them, we see their faith was not put to shame. They were not disappointed. They were not let down. Christ did for them exactly as he promised. And as we consider their lives and what Christ did for them, we can be confident that we won't be put to shame either, that we will not be defeated, that we will be raised up in Christ victorious for all eternity.
Pastor Andrew Packer is senior pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church here in Collinsville, Illinois. He is author of a column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled Democracy of the Dead. Pastor Packer, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. We will come back and talk about despair and finding hope in difficult times with Dr. Adam Kuntz. You can support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by purchasing a cell phone case from Crossway, crossweh.com slash LPR. You'll find cell phone cases for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, and Luther's Seal with the Reformation Solas, crossweh.com slash LPR. A percentage of your purchase will support Issues Etc., Cross weh.com slash LPR. How did God address the Gentile nations through the prophet Isaiah? What is God's message to his own people regarding both judgment and consolation? And how does Isaiah's divine message apply to us today? Find out in the new Concordia Commentary on Isaiah, chapters 13 through 27. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February, the Concordia Commentary on Isaiah 13 through 27. The Faith Once for All Delivered to the Saints. You're listening to Issues Etc. Three Ways to Make an Ape Man. This is Ken Ham, editor of the Faith Affirming series, The New Answers Books. All the supposed missing links between humans and apes fall into one of three categories, mistakes, apes, or humans. Let's start with mistakes. Yes, scientists sometimes make mistakes. Because human evolution is such a big deal, there's a push to label everything as a missing link. And this has led to some big mistakes and outright frauds. Consider Nebraska man. Based on just one tooth found in the early 1900s, this ape man was even used as evidence in the infamous Scopes trial, but it turned out to be the tooth of an extinct pig. Hardly an ape man. Ape man didn't exist. God created apes and God created humans. Want to know more about evolution, creation, science, and the Bible? Visit our website at AnswersRadio.com. That's AnswersRadio.com.